Hey guys, it's Jonathan. I'd first like to go ahead and apologize for the audio quality of this podcast. I was recording on my phone and I didn't have my regular snowball microphone at the time. So just bear with me. I tried to honestly do the best I could with the audio quality that we did have. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. like to fill you in of where I've been in the past couple uh, weeks or so. Um, I've taken a uh, internship opportunity with a surf company in the Outer Banks, and that's where I've been. I've uh, just, you know, just now getting completely, you know, comfortable and settled in, um, and so, you know, this, I figured that would be the perfect time uh, to do a podcast with, um, with one of my good friends. Great colleagues. Um, I've known her uh, for at least six years now. Um, and I've been dating her for five of those years. Uh, today, my special guest is Anna Dunn. Hi, everybody. Um, we've got uh, two questions coming at you today. Um, Anna, would you like to start? podcast with your question to me and I'll follow up with yours. Sure. Um, my question for you is, uh, is an appropriate question because we are just finishing out a week of vacation Mm -hmm. and so my question for you is what is your perfect idea of relaxation? Perfect idea. Yeah, and I've, I've thought about this for a little bit, um, as with most questions, um, and I've got a couple analogies I'll shoot at you. Um, I think the, my perfect idea, I on the on like the surface level, the perfect idea of relaxation, which just goes hand in hand with like what I'm doing this summer, is like just sitting on the beach. And it not being too hot, not being too cold, the water temperature being like just per- just just perfect enough so that if, you know you can go in and it's not like you know freeze, but it's still refreshing. And, but it's not like bath water because I've certainly have <laughs> been in some oceans, you know, later in the summer when the water is warm and it's just kind of bath water and it's just kind of kind of gross. Um, it's not refreshing. Yeah, it's not refreshing. So like being on the on the beach, perfect water, like probably a frisbee being thrown around somewhere. I, I enjoy a good game of toss the frisbee. Is that what people say? Fris- they just say frisbee, right? Ultimate? No, just frisbee. Extreme Explain. frisbee. No, just like throwing a frisbee. Oh. Okay. I think that's what some people call it. Um yeah, just throwing frisbee. Um, I think on the surface level, if that's like my initial answer, okay. but I'd like to follow it up with an analogy. All right, go ahead. I have recently, um, well, I've recently been exposed to, um, like a, like an Eno hammock, Eagle's Nest Outfitters. It's oh. a brand, um, that make nylon, uh, hammocks that they're extremely portable you can you know they fit in 
maybe like a five inch little pouch, put them in your book bag, take them up and you put them up wherever, you know, you've got two trees, you've got two poles, you've got two like beams on like a porch or something. Um, I've really enjoyed the past, uh, I guess a couple weeks or so, and I actually bought me one. So I was trying to figure out a, a segue into mentioning that. So I've been using it and I really, really enjoy it. But I think I know why it's so comfortable. I think I've I figured out why, you know, it's it's so comfortable to me as well Relaxing. as yeah, it's it's definitely comfortable to other people or else this company wouldn't be in business anymore. <laughs> people also buy them for the portability and the comfort. I think people really like Enos and I think it's relaxing to be an Eno, to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Um, because it mimics what um, how you would be, how everything's very formed and there's no like creases or anything. And it, it mimics like a mother's womb almost. Like you're the, because of the material of the Eno, it kind of like wraps you, at least on the, on your bottom side, it wraps you like just with like a tight, a tight material. Cocoon. Yeah, it kind of cocoons you almost. And I think people enjoy that unknowingly because it mimics what it would be in, if you were still in your mother's womb. I, I think there's also some other uh, stuff that people enjoy because it mimics being in what mother's womb. Like pe- I think people like being hugged for that reason. Um, you know, aside from yeah. people just enjoy being hugged, it's not just, you know, just that sur- on the surface level, people just love like being hugged, but I think having something tight you know, around you and secure and warm. I think that's, you know, why people like that kind of stuff. And again, um, that's my, another perfect example of my, you know, like a perfect reality relaxation, um, being in a, you know, you know, maybe like having something to drink, being refreshed, um, having something nice to look at. I also think that's, that's really nice for something not too busy so that I have to focus on everything, but at the same time enough so that I can take everything in at once and so that my mind can just like clear whatever is bothering me. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, something at the beach, a beach is, is stimulating enough so you can, the waves are stimulating enough to keep your brain kind of occupied, but you know, quiet enough for you to at the same time, like, almost meditative exactly exactly i think that's something that you know you would see in a beach but you know probably the argument can be made that you could see those things very other at other places but for at least me like a beach is you know active enough for me my brain to stay engaged but at the same time not active enough so that i can you know kind of i mean not in a bad way shut down but like start you know not over processing things yeah. That way I can, my mind can wander and think about other things. I have a secondary question that I just thought to of. To the initial question? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I think it's pretty well known that just being outdoors reduces stress. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about being in nature that is so relaxing? Um, obviously, I wasn't quite kind of threw me off guard with this question, so I don't probably won't have a it's very an opinion question. concise, yeah, yeah, sure, um, I'll have a concise answer, but I'll try my best, um, 
I mean, obviously, you know, humanity outside of the past, like, you know, 400 years of civilization or so has been outside. And that may, that number may be horribly off, but, you know, for a very, very long period of time, humanity has, for the most part, uh, spent their time outside. I think only recently as we have, you know, dwellings and developments, especially with air conditioning, people don't want to leave the comfort of their houses and during the summer they don't want to, you know, leave the comfort that air conditioning and electricity provides to be outside. But at the same time, I think people, um, I think people enjoy being outside because it's not only what we, what humanity has done for a very long period of time, but I think the sun also has a lot to play in that. Oh. Because the, the sun gives out different vitamins. Vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D. And you, your eyes soak it in, your skin soaks it in. Um, not necessarily like UV radiation, UV light, although I'm sure that also has to play into it. But sun exposure, I think, is scientifically proven to make you happier. Um, in fact, now that I'm thinking of it, I remember um, that's, that's why people get so depressed during the winter and it's some sort of scientific term um, I can't remember it's there's seasonal depression yeah something like that because during the winter the sun's not um, at its fullest peak and so you get less sunlight and so people are are then more depressed and more sad during winter um, okay. so I think it's I definitely think it's scientifically proven people enjoy being outside because of the sun as well as nature nature's a beautiful thing think, you know, um, there's something about it where, oh, that was a snake in the road. Really? Yeah. It's all curled up, ready to strike my tires. Oh. I think, um, Mother Nature. There's something about looking at nature and you might not consciously think it, but, uh, just get this feeling that it's it's so much bigger than ah. most things, you know. You can't, I mean, it's so simple, but so complex at the same time. Sure, sure. It's kind of like... And there, there's yeah. something about it, like, looking at it and knowing, like, no one made this, or no human made this. Yeah. It's just, despite, especially like, even now we're driving through kind of a country road, and despite this like, not concrete, asphalt road Slab and paint of, and yeah. guardrails and everything, like we're still surrounded by trees, and like, even though man has placed its mark on the earth, it's still like... The nature is still know. upholding itself. It still goes on. Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that that's something you don't think about when you think about nature. And it's so slow. It's almost like, I mean, if you think about it, how long did it take them to put down this road compared to how long it took one tree to grow? Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of 
moving pieces like that that we don't see. Like the, just how unfathomable like forests are and like how intricate they are with how like the entire ecosystem like is self-containing. Like it functions as itself. Like no human has to go in and like um, make sure that make sure the the, the little the little grasses and the flowers and stuff on the bottom of the ground are getting enough sunlight. You know, no one does that. Like that's not something that people do. But at the same time, the forests continue to grow, and um, you know, yeah. And I think bringing that all back in, like being in nature. I think certainly does make you happy, um, and, you know, I think for me, being outside makes me happy, and that kind of ties back into, yeah. um, being relaxed, and, like, perfect relaxation. This is our hippie section of the podcast. Yeah, this is, today's podcast is brought to you by... Granola. Granola and flower petals. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't... I hope that answers your question. Um, I tried, tried my best with that uh, kind of curveball or knuckleball. Ah, knuckleball at the end. I saw, I was watching, this is my uh, pre, this is my pre-personal digression. Okay. Uh, I saw a video of a guy throwing a knuckleball. don't know what a knuckleball is. It's a certain type of baseball pitch and hunters probably listening to this podcast at this very moment and just like shaking his head like <laughs> like violently because I'm probably butchering this but a knuckleball once it's thrown because how the pitcher throws it it spins a certain way and at the last second it spins back the opposite direction what? so it's very difficult and there's also like a like a one one thousandth percent of like throwing it perfectly because I saw someone said that it, a knuckleball is either perfectly thrown or thrown in such an area that the base that the um, the guy hitting the ball can easily hit it. So there's like a very oh, wow. slim margin of error for throwing an effective knuckleball. And it was I just so, thought it looked cool. Yeah, it looked cool, but you can't. You know, when it slowed it slowed it down, it looked cool. But at the same time, when it slowed it down, the catcher's the catcher kind of like went back as he caught it because he didn't know what was going to happen. And then the base, the guy, the guy, you know, hitting the ball would just kind of looks kind of stunned because he was, what just happened. So, yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Knuckleball. He threw that knuckleball at me and I didn't know how to, pre- mm. I wasn't prepared for it. Well. Neither was the You knocked the it batter. out of the park. Ah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, my question for you. Next pitch. The next pitch. Um, next on deck. Uh, my question for you, Anna, is, uh, it's kind of a multifaceted question. Um, I think in general it can be stated as like what what do you think Hollywood specifically movies in Hollywood I think that's what people refer to when they say Hollywood Um, what do you think producers and like like screenwriters what do you think they've done in the past I don't know five or ten years as opposed in the past um, what do you think they've done right with movies? And what do you think they've done wrong with movies? Oh, I wasn't prepared for a wrong option. I wasn't prepared for the, <laughs> the nature option. Okay, well, first of all, I'd like to preface my answer by saying that I don't consider myself a very 
reliable source when it comes to... <laughs> and maybe that might be a good thing. Pop culture and movies. You got a layman's term response. In particular. <laughs> um, I haven't seen a lot of movies, so... I don't know how credible I am, but... I think something that... Um, I've seen recently in movies is um, kind of less of that basic storyline of a protagonist and, you know, they face a problem and then it comes to a climax and then, you know, from, from start to finish. I think something they've done recently is kind of get a, um, almost like a snapshot of a certain person's perspective in any given situation, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, uh, like this is, this is this guy's life and this is the stuff that, like, happens in his life, or, like... Right, and it's not, like, story well, so I mean, obviously movies are going to be story-based, but I really appreciate certain movies that I've seen where you kind of don't really know how to describe what happens in the movie. Um, let me give some specific examples. I can't give that many because, like I said, I haven't seen that many movies. Your best shot. But... Um, popular movie this year was The Revenant. Um, Which, if you missed our podcast on that, just go back like six or seven episodes and <laughs> find it. But, so, if you were to give a synopsis of that movie, it would be that this guy basically is just trying to survive in the woods. And there's not much you can say about the storyline. But, I think, apart from the cinematography and the acting, which has a huge part to play in this aspect of movies, but apart from that, they do a great job of just, like, putting you in their place. Not necessarily with the pain aspect, but emotionally, like, you feel like you're experiencing what's happening and um let me think there was another movie I had in mind that I was gonna say oh I remember Ten Cloverfield Lane mm, good movie which is kind of a sci-fi movie-ish, but... Sci-fi-ish movie. Um, in that movie, it's just like... I don't know how to put it any differently. It's just Some like stuff happened. a snapshot of this moment, or several moments in time, and there's not necessarily like a huge resolution. It's not like... Yeah. Definitely. Of course, you encountered problems throughout the movie, but... As with any movie, if you... I mean, if you didn't have problems in the movie, and it may be examples of this, I don't think... That's what people draws in. Draws people in to see the movie is... The, the 
that's, there's a problem that it, yeah. that's encountered. People like things to be fixed, and I think that's what draws people to books and movies. And well, I think something. I think another aspect of what I'm trying to say is it could be that the the characters in these stories are a little more complex than maybe in the past characters have been. So like more recent movies, characters are more complex than in the past? Yeah, like I feel like in the past there's been a tendency for characters to either be good or bad. You know, the good guy and the bad guy. Yeah, I think like like a Deadpool kind of character because he's not really good or he's not really bad, but really knows. He's just a guy well, that's like making that, decisions. I think that's something that movies have done recently, and it's just like a part of being human, I guess, is that when you think about it, no one is inherently good or bad. It's just a person making decisions, and there's something about watching someone else going through a situation and making decisions that is just I don't know I think I, I've thought a lot about this too and I think that you know and I'm not trying to steal your thunder by stealing my question and answering it but I think um, my analysis is that people and I there's just, there's a lot. I'm, try, I'm just trying to think of like a concise way to say it's this. It's hard to put it because I could talk. I could talk about this for like hours. I think movies are becoming more relatable, and like you could you you know what you would be in that situation. But at the same time, you're always going to have movies like superhero movies or like sci-fi movies that you you just you enjoy the the foreign such a like an abstract thought that like you would never you would never actually be in that situation yeah. but because of that you're you're drawn in because you that's, that's a foreign idea for you it's exciting yeah but at the same time i think especially when you get into like visual effects when you put in so much visual effects it takes away the realness behind it and you don't you almost you're separated from the movie because you your your brain is 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 realizing this is not this is not real oh, yeah this is um this is all like a created thing, and I think two movies that I can um, bring in is the the most recent Hobbit series, and I, you know, that's there was so much CGI as opposed to the previous um, the Lord of the Rings series, and I, I mean, I understandably like those two movies were created at two different times in Hollywood with more advancements in CGI and you know that kind of thing, and I'm certainly not you know downplaying C- the use of CGI. Um, but it's gotta th- be done tastefully. Yeah, and I th- yeah, exactly, exactly. I think when people overload a movie with CGI, you're um, you're you're taken back from the movie. You're 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 separated from it. Even with The Hobbit, like that, that's such a foreign concept. You know, no one would actually be in a world where they're you know you know plundering a dragon's like <laughs> dragon's lair and stealing you know taking it back the mountain like that's not something that a normal human would be in but i think because it's such a foreign concept i think that's a perfect example because people like cgi and it's because it's a, such a foreign concept but at the same time there's too much cgi and so you're taken back from it you're not you know you 
your it brain no, yeah, your brain no longer understands like what like what's real and what's not, and like you know what draws you in. Um, what made me think? What made me really realize this? Use that same word twice. Um, I was listening to J.J. Abrams' interview as the the new Star Wars: um, The Force Awakens movie came out, um, and he had mentioned, and his he was kind of in the context of like, I think the question was like, how do you tie in um, a movie series that was done so long ago? You know, especially the the original three movies. Those that was you know twenty thirty years ago. How do you tie in that storyline thirty years apart? But, but, you know, keep the familiarness so that, you know, people that watched it so long ago can still follow up with, with where it left off. Yeah. And he would, his, basically his answer was something along the lines that he, he intentionally kept Star Wars, his filming process, kept real aspects in it. They, you know, had full sets in deserts where they, you know, they filmed the first, um, that whole first sequence, and I'm trying to remember um, the name. The name of the planet is Tatooine. No, it's not Tatooine. Uh, the the sand planet where. Um, I thought that was Tatooine. Mm-hmm. It was um, some sand planet. I can't remember. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not gonna waste any time trying to remember it. Basically, that whole first scene where you know they're finding they're finding uh, the female uh, protagonist. <laughs> Ray? Ray. I couldn't remember her name either. But basically, that entire scene was real. That was real. You know, there may have been elements of CGI with, explo- with like, uh, you know, animated explosions. Like, um, you know, a lot of the Star Wars battles are, you know, uh, uh, um, rifle, like, blaster pistols with... That shoot laser beams. Oh yeah. Like that. There's that's not real, obviously. But his point was that he intentionally kept it so that it's the same story. It's the same story and the same and same familiarity, but at the same time, it's a new. It's new. It's like going it's, in a new direction. It's, yeah, it's brand new. But at the same time, I think he. His, you know, I think they did a really good job. Sorry. I, I think his intentions were to keep it real. Yeah. And you know. I was. I remember watching another a video about the same kind of concept, and it basically compared two different um, the Incredible Hulk movies. And one was was you know ninety percent CGI, but with the original Hulk series with Lou Ferrigno, that was all real. It was that it was him painted green, wearing you know purple shorts. Where with the new ones, it's some CGI character running around with dots all over their bodies so that can track their movements. You know, with the Lou Ferrigno ones, the human brain understands what it can be like in those scenes that he's in because they filmed it on the you know on that premises yeah so i think that's something to answer my question for you i think that's something that hollywood has done right is keep their keep it real it's kept hollywood's kept it real the past couple years i feel like they haven't though yeah i mean that's something that's definitely i'm seeing a trend towards that I mean, because the Hobbit movies, the first Hobbit movie came out, you know, four or five years ago now, and I think that was, I'm trying to think of another movie recently that was like too much CGI that it took away from it. I think a good example was the most recent Jungle, the Jungle Book movie, 
which was, you know, 80% CGI, but it still felt real, you know? That kid was a really good actor. Yeah, was a good actor. What were you going to say when I was... I don't remember. Dang it, I'm sorry. It's okay. Certainly did steal your thunder. So yeah, do you have a um, a personal digression for I do. this week? Um, what you got? I recently acquired two hermit crabs. Nice. You knew that. I did. Um, Responding as I've never heard that before. Uh, I think you're probably not supposed to do that. It's not very real. Sorry. Um. But what have I done? Been researching hermit crabs, and in my research, I found out that hermit crabs don't have lungs, which probably a lot of people knew, but I did not know. But they do have uh, hardened gills, so it's not quite gills like a fish would have. They can't breathe underwater. But if the air is not moist enough, they can't absorb the oxygen through the air. Ah, uh, see. That makes sense. Pretty cool. So that way they can... So can they breathe, like, submerged in water? It's like, at the no. same... Using those? Okay. Gotcha. Because there are, I feel like there are some crabs, I mean, we saw some crabs this week that were completely submerged and, you know, swimming around in the sound, so I guess those are, they just use different types of internal well, organs. Well, so those weren't hermit crabs either. Yeah, those are just like snow crabs, and ghost crabs. also I know that they can hold their breath for a really long time. Those crabs or hermit crabs? Just crabs in general. Just crabs. Cool. Great personal digression. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my personal digression is um, I've I've heard of this these things like a year ago or so, and um, you know, especially as they were in a, like a an abnormal amount of shark attacks up and down the east coast. Um, that I think that's definitely helped them kind of rocket propel their uh, sales but working at a surf company um, you you are exposed to different types of merchandise that like surfers would use or like surfers would have um, or would, would be interested in buying but I think something uh, we sell the things called shark bands basically they're a little silicone bracelet almost it's pretty big though it's not quite the size it's about an inch and a half wide but you wear it around your ankle or your uh, wrist and it's got a it's got a very uh, strong uh, magnet in it and basically what happens is that the shark the sharks um, because sharks don't have like uh, fingers and hands and like sense like very strong sensory organs all throughout their body and that they may be completely wrong as well they have their noses are where a lot of their sensors are. Basically, because of the the magnet in the shark band, it repels the shark because it's it's too strong of a um, 
of a, like a pulse when they swim near. Um, and it's kind of cheesy, but we have like a two minute video that, that plays with the shark band display. And they actually went and tested it and they shoved a chum or basically a dead fish up a dead, like a, um, a dummy's leg with the shark bands attached. So not only were the sharks attracted to, um, you know, the person that kind of looked like a seal or like a dead fish or something, they're also attracted to the smell of the dead fish. And even when they got up to the, to the dummy, they, they would, they would go in thinking they're going to get some food and then realize, oh crap, this thing is, I don't like this thing because of the magnet and they would swim right away. And, um, I think that's, you know, definitely proven the fact that someone thought of that and, you know, this work with marine biology and helped to develop, you know, something that's not, I've been impressed because not only is it helpful to us, but it's also not harmful to sharks. I think a lot of times we, like, you know, and I think mosquitoes are pests, but, you know, folks spray definitely kills them. It just, you know, it just does that. But I think a lot of people would have some fits if scientists develop something to kill sharks when they come near you <laughs> but I'm very you know I'm, I'm proud that something like that exists and that it's a it's available it's not super expensive you know it's pretty affordable yeah it's definitely affordable for what it does you know so that was my personal aggression I think that's something really cool that more people should know about and you know I think people people would would stay away from the ocean because they're afraid of getting shark like bit like attacked by a shark and you know stuff like that exists and yeah. you know it's definitely clearing ground for future even more affordable ways of shark repellent yeah so what music have you been listening to lately um a lot of good stuff um you know king's kaleidoscope is always on my listening you know lists playlists is that what people I'm always listening to King's Kaleidoscope. Um, Mumford & Sons has had a few couple singles come out um, that have been on the radio that I've, I've really enjoyed so far. Um, but I think... Um, I think just to you know, kind of tie that into what I was saying with the Mumford & Sons, they um, they had a song. It's not a, new, it's not a new song, but it wasn't... I don't believe it was on any of their... Uh, of their full releases. It may have just been a single, but it's Mumford and Sons along with another like famous, uh, uh, mandolin player, mandolinist, mandolin, or someone who plays the mandolin. Um, the song's called The Boxer and it's by the Mumford and Sons, by Mumford and Sons. Um, and I, I want to suggest you guys listen to it and we'll obviously play this at the end of the episode because, um, I was working in our store one night, and I heard the original version of the song, which I did not know existed. Um, but it was—it's like originally like a, a bluegrass kind of um, folk. It's more bluegrass folk rather than like the bluegrass countryside. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting because not only is obviously the same lyrics, the same like kind of um, word it's progressions. Cover. It's a cover, but it kept. That's what I noticed about the the original one. Is that it kept the same like intensity there, you know, and you'll hear it in this in the song. I'll play the Mumford and Sons version. Um, it's it's a very intense song lyrically, and I thought it was really cool that Mumford and Sons kept that same intensity with their cover. So yeah, cool. The Boxer by Mumford and Sons. 
and um, just uh, give it a listen. Well, thanks for having me on this week. No problem. You know, it's always good to hear your hear how your brain thinks on things. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Sayonara. See ya. I'm just a poor boy, though my story's seldom told I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles Such are promises, all lies and jest Still the man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest When I left my home and my family I was no more than a boy in the company of strangers in the quiet of the railway stations Running scared Laying low Seeking out the poor quarters Where the ragged people go Looking for the places Only they will know Well, lie, lie Lie, 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 lie Lie, lie, Asking only workmen's wages I come looking for a job But I get no offers Just to come on from the whores On 7th Avenue I do declare There were times when I was so lonesome I took some comfort there Then I'm laying out my winter clothes And wishing I was home going the New York City winters aren't bleeding me, bleeding me, going home. La 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 And he carries the reminder Of every glove that laid him down And caught him till he cried out In his anger and his shame I am leaving, I am leaving But the fighter still remains Oh, lie, lie, lie